This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins us down in the Fox Valley and all the people who watch us online and all over the world. Good to have you with us. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Before we continue, just a quick reminder of how we do our offerings now at Celebration Church. You can use the envelopes uh, on the seat backs in front of you for any checks or cash you'd like to give today, and you can give it on the way out. Uh, ushers will be at the door with little buckets and stuff like that. Uh, many people give online, have signed up for recurrent giving. Uh, we encourage that if you're a continual member of our church, this is your church home, consider, consider signing up for uh, the giving online. It makes it very easy for us. Or a lot of people use their phones and they can give through the Celebration Church app as well. Amen. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. We're excited. Uh, some good stuff is going to be happening today. We'll talk more about that as we go along. Our, our guest today is Bishop Daniel Zapula. Bishop Zapula is a presiding bishop in the CEEC, which I've been talking to you about. It's a group of churches that are like us, and, uh, and we're excited. We're all a little nuts, but they're like us. And, uh, and, and uh, Bishop Zapula is a presiding bishop. He's a bishop for the bishops. He's up there. <laughs> Anyway, he's originally from Africa, uh, eventually immigrated to Canada, and that's where we snuck him out of the weekend to come down here and spend time with us. We had so much fun yesterday. It was just, just a blast hearing some of their stories. Uh, the one I thought was really entertaining was, uh, you know, cultures are different, right, around the world. Well, in Bishop's country, home country of Africa, um, uh, whatever country, is it? What country are you from? What? I'll let you say it when you get up here. Whatever. The name of the country. And uh, anyway, over there, when they see a large woman, they consider her very blessed by God. Uh, maybe because 
there are not a lot of large people over there. I don't know, maybe not as much food as we have in America, but anyway, so anyway, he comes, <laughs> emigrates <laughs> to Canada, and one of his first encounters, he comes up to this large lady and says, I see you are very blessed, for you are very fat. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he learned you don't say that when you come here, all right? But uh, welcome to Green Bay. We are a blessed state. As you look around, you can see, Lord have mercy on us all. Yes. Anyway, he's bringing the word this morning. going to be special ministry tonight. We're very excited. We'll be telling you more about that. But uh, he asked that he, I would read the uh, scripture text this morning before he comes. It's from Isaiah, the second chapter, starting in verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, for they will train for war. They will not train for war anymore. Anyway, give a big blessed Green Bay welcome to uh, Bishop Zapula as he comes this morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are all doing good. Happy Pentecost Sunday. So good. I came here with a team, lovely people. Please stand so that they can see your faces, just face the people. All my people, they all came there from up north. We are taking over the United States. Well, Pentecost may look different for many of us. And this morning, I uh, wake up with the, the news that one of our congregants was dead. And it caused me to think a little bit more. Our brother is dead. Not even 40. And then it reminded me about the mystery of life. We all got a chance to be born. There is a date, there is a moment, there is a place you are born. And you all remember, I'm born January 8, 1998 in Tulsa. And then sometime, if you have been to the funeral homes, there are lots of funeral celebrations, and then you go to the graveyard, and you will see on the top of that is a stone, and then they will put those words, so-and-so, brother Johnny, born January 1, 1998, dead December 8, 19, or 2022. And so it is of each one of us. We have a time where we're born and a time where we die, and in between there is a line, a dodge. And everything I'm going to say is about that, that line in between. The point you were born, the point you die. It's about the quality of that line. That line defines you. It defines your character. It defines the person that you are. And for us, and every one of us, God will come for us. For many of us, 
it will come as traumatic encounters we have. And for our brother, it came this Pentecost weekend. And Pentecost manifests always differently to different people at different seasons, but Pentecost will always come home. Because God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And so I began my life too, somewhere in the bush, in a country called Burkina Faso, West Africa. You know where it is? You go to the end of the world and you turn left. <laughs> there is a yield sign that you got out to all there. Very few people there, but we lived there and that's where I grew up. See, I am the 33rd of 35 brothers and sisters. And before you think, you wonder about my father. Yes, he had eight wives. And my father, my mother was the last one. Uh, she was the youngest one. And, and so life was quite incredible. It was a busy, uh, in a sense, you have quite a lot of kids around. Uh, we don't have formal homes. You have a little infrastructures like a hut, and you live there. But mainly we lived outside because it's quite hot. And so things are quite busy. Food is rare. Grew up in a in the years of a big famine, there was a lot of famine, incredible famine and trauma and death. I remember going to school one day and my, when my best friend Thomas, he, I looked at him and his eyes were yellow and Thomas said, you want my food? I said, yeah. He said, I won't need it. I said, Thomas, you need to eat. He said, no, I won't need it. He gave it to me. I took his bowl. I, of soup, and I ate it. And then I said, Thomas, are you okay? He said, I'm fine. Thomas, that was the last time I saw him. He died of yellow fever. Uh, incredible years of doubt. If anything that we believe, anything that we are would ever sustain, lots of pain. And so it was very rare to say that yeah, I'm, I'm close to anybody. My mom died when I was four years old. And uh, quite tonight, I'll be telling more about some aspect of that and what the Lord did and the visitation of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and so uh, life was quite like a living hell. I remember only one thing about my, my father. I remember one day we were going somewhere. We're going to, a, I think, in the farm. And then uh, I walked with him with my little brother. And as we were walking, I remember there was this huge mountain that we had to climb. It was scary. It's funny, when I go back today, it's a little moth. It's not that big of a mountain. <laughs> but but, but, but we, we were climbing this mountain and walking. It was quite hard for my little feet. Difficult to climb. And so as we were going there, he was going ahead and we following and following. And then somewhere in the middle, I was tired and worse of it, I got a nail, uh, just, a, a, just a, a thorn on my foot. Not a nail, but a thorn. A thorn on my foot as I was climbing the tallest mountain ever made. <laughs> and there, Isaiah, I'm trying to take it off, but it can't work. It was a delay. I couldn't take it off. 
I needed someone. I needed someone to help me. I needed somebody to touch me, but in ways that was helpful, in ways that would bring about healing and health and well-being to me. I cried. Then my father, and this is the biggest thing, that's the only thing I remember of him, he walked back to me. He sat me down, and I sat like a little boy, and then I gave him a foot, and then he worked on it. He took the thorn off my foot, and he said, son, you're going to be okay. And then I got up, and when I got up, I had to walk still on top of this mountain which seemed so difficult to overcome. To my senses, it was impossible. And then he came back again a second time. Thank God for dad who come the first time. But thank God for a father who comes back to me, his son, the second time. And then this time he came, he picked me up and he put me on his shoulder. And we walked. I say we walked. Yeah, we did walk. But the walk was more on him. Everything was on his shoulder. And he walked. My little brother followed. And as we walked, something happened to me. And I want to talk to you about what happened to me when I sat on his shoulders. There, when we climbed the mountain, something changed. Attention moved from me seeing this high mountain to me finding myself every walk I was rising above the height of this mountain. Suddenly, I can see the very top of it. I can see the very top, and I can see further than my father. My father could see the mountain, but I, I can see further because I was sitting so high above on his shoulder. And I saw the world. When we reached the peak of this mountain, I took a peak at what is ahead. I saw many mountains ahead of us. I saw many valleys. I saw new people. I saw white people, yellow people, green people, black, Jews, Gentile, all alike. But mine eyes were open and I saw beyond the shoulder of my father. Thank God for a father who takes away thorn on my foot. Thank God for the father who come the second time and give me ride on his shoulder. Today I want to talk about an event that happened also. In the book of Isaiah chapter 2, you read verse 2 to 4 about a journey. And that text is telling us that there is an appointed time for each and every one of us to climb that mountain. There is a mountain ahead of each one of us and we must climb it somehow or the other. But it's also telling us that we as a people, unless we climb that mountain, 
we are exiles. We live as exiled. Exiled from God, exiled from our fathers, exiled from our mothers, exiled from each other, exiled from what everything that is right, everything that is noteworthy, everything that is encouraging. We are exiled, living in despair, in famine. We are famished. Everybody is famished. Even if you are full of money in your bank, even if you are whistling your way into your bank account every day, part of you is always famished. Part of a human soul, part of us needs something. There is a food we need for our soul. And there is a food that God has got for us. It's, that food is not just material, it's mental, spiritual, it's psycho-spiritual. It is in our exile, as we seek to mount and go on top of a mountain. And the between time where we're born and where we die, that's when the story is left. And then, as we go into it, many of us have run like me. You know, you begin thinking, maybe I'm not a good man. Maybe there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my character. You not only got a thorn on your foot, you got a thorn on your character. And so you say, you're craving inside you, if only somebody will take me, take out this thorn in my character, I will be present in the world. The best version of me will show up. If only somebody will help me. And then there is this brother who comes to me. There is this sister who came to you. Then there is this sermon, there is this pastor that loves you. There is this crazy preaching, laughing pastor who comes and says, you can laugh away through this. Maybe that thorn is on your marriage. You say, oh, how I wish I can find help somewhere. If it's not a thorn in your character, it's your competency. You say, I cannot deliver. How come I can't even be a good businessman? But there is a thorn on the way to the mountain. There are many thorns that we must walk through because the call to follow Jesus Christ is not easy. It's not for wimps. I'm so sorry. I apologize for the inconvenience. <laughs> And the call that he called you and me to go in the journey he has for us. He said, there is a promise in it. But I tell you, there are going to be problems you must encounter. Thorn on my foot. And a thorn for many of us could be trauma. You didn't ask for it. But you've been traumatized by life event. Rape, abuse. Some in my country, a quarter million children are sold into slavery each and every year. It's not their fault. For me, that was a trauma. And then we have a father who comes and takes a thorn from us. And for us, humanity, you know, on our ways from this exile to our promised place, we have to deal with many thorns. Some of them are systemic. Some of them are individual and personal. You see, the thorn of sin that take over our whole personality is a thorn. And Jesus come to us. And the Bible says, and he walked 
talks with us and he talks with me. He tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. Jesus, who walks with us, he comes to repair the heart of fathers to the sons and daughters and so on. But Isaiah talked about that mountain. That's the first movement in the mountain. But that's not it. But journeying up the mountain is not just what it's all about. Isaiah says, on the mountain, we actually meet our creator. On this top, on the top of this mountain, whatever it is, it is a setup. That there is a transfiguration moment in the Christian story. There is a point of encounter when God in Christ, in the spirit, meets you. And he touches you. The high priest of our lives. But he touches you. Not to touch you, he touched you to transform you and to restore your humanity. God in Christ restore our humanity. He will never make you an angel. Hmm? If you thought that when Jesus comes, you're going to be a flying angel, just where did you learn that? <laughs> God loves having human. That's why he created that perfect. He said, what's very good. He's not going to modify it. But on top of this mountain, Isaiah says, we have a summit. You see, I said, like my father took me, I say, on the peak of this mountain, I can take a peak, I can have a vision. It's on top of a mountain that our vision, our true vision is restored. For without vision, my people perish. Without the right vision, we perish. And for every one of us, there is a vision there about your life. A vision rooted in your purpose that God has for you. But your whole life is preparing you for this mountaintop encounter, this moment of transfiguration, when you get to see him face to face and you are transformed into his likeness, even from glory to glory. Somebody say amen. Don't just look at me like that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Hmm? Sometimes you can say, mm -hmm. There on this mountain, you meet Jesus and you have, you say, Lord, let's have a talk. And you bow the head and Jesus say, lift up your head, you church. You say, oh God, I'm so discouraged. And God said, don't worry, I've been with you. But God, did you see the thorn? Do you see what they've done to me? Do you see what my husband has done to me? Do you see what my, my wife has done to me? Do you see what my children have done to me? And the Lord said, I have been there. I love you. I just love you. I brought you here to heal you and restore you. I brought you here to cover you. For love cover many sins. I brought you into this place not to destroy you. Not so that you, you can live and celebrate a defeatist story. I've brought you here to restore your story. And to tell you the thorn doesn't define you. 
The mountain doesn't define you. The exile doesn't define you. It's your promised land that will define you. I define you. I set the rule. I am God. You ain't. I'm sorry. I am the Lord. And say, okay, worship. Holy, 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 holy. <laughs> and I say, but, but you don't. And the Lord said, no more complaint. Would you just be please for a moment, just shut up. They say, Lord, okay. It's not about me. My mouth is closed. Father, you do me what you please. He said, I have set a table for you. And on that table on top of a mountain, you get to see, and you sit in the table, you thought you were alone, and you look, and there's your brother, uh, uh, there's brother Mark Dunga. Oh, you are on the table? There's the other brother? Oh, there's the other brother? You know what? The other brother you don't like. If you want to measure how much you love God, pick the person you hate the most. That's how much you really love the Lord. Hmm? So you're sitting on the table and you say, God, not him. <laughs> Shouldn't we crucify him? Jesus said, no, I work with him too. He needs me. And then God work it all together. And, and Isaiah said that when we sit together, he reasoned with us. Come, let us reason together. Then he reasoned us and he gave us a reason of being in this world. That's vision. And with that vision, he revealed to us on that mountain what real love is. And it's not that kind of wishy-washy love. It's not that kind of kissy, kissy, kissy kind of love. He said, I give you the original love. It's unconditional. The kind of love that covers a multitude of sins. The kind of love you don't have to work to get. You don't have to deserve it. He restored love. Just love, pure love. Oh God, restore the love of our nation. Restore the love of people, of your church. On this mountain too, he restored one thing. Your compassion. They say we have compassion fatigue. Hmm. Many of us, have so much passion for our life. Problem is, passion without compassion is dangerous. Because Hitler had a loss of passion. He ain't got no compassion. You know me? So he restored our compassion. Because and here's the thing, you, and I'm say, I say this and I repeat it, I do not advise anybody in the ministry team, I don't advise anybody to lay hand on somebody if you have no compassion on them. If you have no compassion on somebody and you lay your hand on them, you are cursing them. Paul speaks a lot about the compassions of God. So before you pray, ask God for that compassion of Christ to come, which comes through the Holy Spirit, the deposit in you. Out of compassion. You notice whenever you meet Jesus Christ in the scripture, they say, there is, before every miracle, they say, Jesus, comma, Full of compassion, comma, he touched them. Are you with me so far? Compassion make a difference. So he restores our compassion and he restores our differences. 
He tells us on that mountain, our differences are not deficiencies. Our differences, God said, I'm going to use it for your glory. He heals us, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And the last journey, and then I'll tell about the last journey until I take my seat. He said this, Isaiah. He said, we walk down the mountain. After he has done and dealt with our character, on that mountain, we have cast our burden unto Jesus. On that mountain, we receive our shalom. On that mountain, he comforts me. On that mountain, he covers me there with his love. On that mountain, he, he restores the best version of me. On that mountain, I encounter unadulterated love. And on that mountain, he restores my speed like the gazette. On that mountain, he restores our dignity and he unites us. And he sent us back on the other side of the mountain, which is our mission. You have been on top of the peak, now you can see. Now the scriptures say, describe him, Isaiah said, when, he said, when we walk down that mountain, he says this, he said, they will beat their sword into plowshare and their spear into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up war against nation. Now will they train for war anymore. Because when you meet God, your wars are over. When you meet God, when we together meet him, tribal wars are over. No more wars. Discrimination is over. No more war. No more liberals and conservative and uh, Democrat, Republican. There's no more war. And no more government is arguing for this and one for the other. No more war. It's, it's a different kind of non-violence in the sense that we have encountered the shalom of God and we walk in it. And Jesus said, I will fight your battle for you. Amen. But what makes the difference is not a political movement, is not a political leader who did this. No, it's the presence of Christ that made the difference. And so we walk down that mountain, hand in hand, black man and white man. What? You know, black woman and white man together, hand in hand, and singing together the song of redeem. Redeem, redeem, redeem. We are redeemed by the blood of that. And then when we go down the mountain, that's where the story gets incredible. Come tonight for the rest of the story. Down the mountain, we have the new life. And that's when you remember the story of chapter 37 of, Ecclesia, of Ezekiel. You see, the son of Ezekiel is a man like me who have a thorn on his character, a thorn on his foot. And then he find himself there, right there into this place, down the mountain. You climb and you have to go down. Then he looks to his mission. He looks and guess what he sees? He sees a valley. Life normally is live in a valley. And what does he see? He sees a valley of dry bones. Bones. Dry bones. But God, I just met you. You just touched me. Why am I walking among like people of dry bones? And the, there's something unique about this dry bones. 
They're talking to one another. Have you ever seen that? That's scary. <laughs> you see bones laying down the valley and them bones are saying, man, we are dry. <laughs> are you? Bones say, we are very, very dry. And then the son of man, Ezekiel is walking, he said, mm, so God is saying, that's a horror movie. Can we watch just really, just the easy movies? Lord said, what's wrong with you? Just walk. So he's taking a walk. It feels like he is by himself, but he's not because God is walking with him. And he, and he said, wow, this is not nice. What happened? But these are the valiant of God, the giant of God. This is the church of Christ. This is the people of God. It seems they are dead. Yeah. And he said, is there any solution to this? And then he asked God, what am I going to do? Actually, the question comes from God. Son of man, can these bones live? And the prophet said, why are you asking me a question? I'm supposed to ask you, God, the questions. Can these bones live? And the prophet said, you know, I don't know. And he said, okay. And God said, you prophesy. And he says, prophesy to the winds. You know, there have been so much, so many winds of flu that really blew across this land. Political winds, economic winds, you know. There have been winds of uh, uh, like diseases. Like COVID was a wind that flew through us, our cities. He says this, prophesy. What? That's the solution? Prophesy! Stop debating! So he said, okay. He said, dry bones! And the bones said, here we are. Come back together! Well, how do you prophesy? Funny thing, you just open your mouth. Dry bone come together. Okay? And he hear a crack. And then, oh, suddenly, the foot bone connected to the leg bone. <laughs> and said, crack! Oh, say, oh my God. And then the leg bone to the thigh bone. Crack! Oh my God! We have some crazy thing happen. And then we have them, he connected the thigh bone to the back bone and the backbone connected to the neck bone. And the neck said, crack. And the neck bone connected to the head bone, crack. And that's how the alphabet goes. <laughs> Suddenly, we have a restored humanity. A restored humanity, walking and talking and doing the work of God. Pentecost is about the coming of the Holy Spirit the restoration of all that you are so that you can walk in your mission. Tonight, tonight, I'm looking forward Amen. to meeting you. We're going to have a great time of inviting the Holy Spirit to come and letting him transform every part of our life. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with you. God bless you. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready to serve for our time of communion. This is when we turn our attention to what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken so we could be made whole. His blood shed 
so we can have forgiveness of sins. It's what we proclaim uh, until the Lord comes when we do this together. But the Bible says before you do it, you should examine yourself. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads, and I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us as we examine our own hearts. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, we pause to examine ourselves. If we sin against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we did, something that we should have done and we didn't do, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray that you would have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. And while heads are bowed and people are reflecting, maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, I've never experienced anything like you guys have been singing and talking about. You can do that right now, just in your own words. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And you can take your first steps of faith here with us this morning. Amen.